Well, hello there, and welcome back to the Thai Expat Daily Show. I'm your host, as always, Kira Mack, and delighted you've been able to tune in with us yet again. Now, before we do get into today's show, as I always say, don't forget to like, subscribe, and share. If you like listening to us on a podcast player, link down below in the description will take you to a little website where all the available podcast players that we are on are listed. And finally, if you do get some value from the show, if you'd like to support the show, there's a link down below in the description, and you can buy us a coffee i am a big fan of the cappuccino but getting all that done and dusted let's jump into the top five stories doing the rounds today in thailand and we're going to start off with a story coming out of the bangkok post upper thailand still choking on smog People in upper northern areas of Thailand were still choking on hazardous levels of smog on Thursday. Red zone levels of ultra-fine dust were recorded in 20 areas where PM 2.5 levels were above 90 micrograms per cubic meter, which was hazardous to health, the Department of Pollution Control reported. As of 11am, PM 2.5 levels nationwide during the previous 24 hours ranged from 10 to 356 micrograms per cubic meter. The government set safety levels at about 50 In Bangkok and surrounding provinces, PM 2.5 levels were between 29 and 99. 26 areas were above the safe threshold of 50 micrograms and one spot on Kanchanapasik Road in Bang Tung Tian District in the red zone with 99. In the north, PM 2.5 levels ranged from 35 to 356. 28 areas were above the safe zone and uh, this has basically been the trend throughout the, throughout the whole of Thailand. In the central region, ulcer fine dust levels were between 32 and 63 with 7 areas over the safe threshold of 50. And uh, actually down in Phuket, Panya Krabi, it's actually fine, quite good. Just below 50 the last few days. So uh, yeah, come to this part of the world for your healthy, healthy air. But again, as we said in previous shows, just the sheer fact that the government have nothing to help people and they just think it's, you know, nearly like a joke. Let's just leave it every year. Let the same thing happen over and over. Let people's health be affected. Let's not really care so much. I, I think to me that is a scandal in itself. But nevertheless, let's move on to the next story of the day. Bustling Songkran Festival is predicted this year. This year's Songkran is set to be the most lively since Thailand began living with the COVID-19 pandemic three years ago, with total spending among Thai and foreign revelers estimated to be about 125 billion baht, according to the Center for Economic and Business Forecasting of the Thai Chamber of Commerce University. The TCCU Rector, Associate Professor Tanawat Pachi Chai, said on Wednesday that it is anticipated that each Songkran reveler will spend an average of 7,091 baht on tourism during the festival, reflecting an economic recovery buoyed by tourism expansion and increased visitor arrivals. Based on an opinion survey conducted by the CEBF, he said that most of the respondents plan to travel during the festival for recreation and to pay respect to their elders, despite the PM 2.5 pollution plaguing some northern provinces and concerns over COVID-19, which is still a consideration, although it has substantially eased. Who is worried about COVID-19 still? I'm not quite sure. Most respondents say they plan to spend time in seaside provinces, with the most popular destinations being Chanburi, Pachakiri Khan, Pachakiri and Rayong. In Bangkok, Songkran celebrations will be held at numerous venues after three years of absence. They include Khao San Road, Hoi Kwang District, a favorite hangout for many Chinese tourists among others. A hotelier in Hoi Kwang said that most hotels in the district are above 80% occupancy and they've been booked mainly by Chinese tourists during this period, coming to celebrate the festive water splashing event. 
Although Songkran is about a week away, he said hotel staff and some hotels in the area have been instructed to wear colourful shirts to engender a festive atmosphere, which, while the hotels are decorated with rows of flags. So that's Songkran coming up on the 13th to 15th, I think, normally around that time. Uh, it will be exceptionally busy, but exceptionally busy on the roads as well. So it's always worth bearing in mind the seven days of danger, they call it, during this period where people drive like lunatics, but the police apparently come out on the roads during this time to try stop the carnage. Nevertheless, if you're out and about over Songkran, please be careful. If you're driving a motorbike, be even more careful because you can be driving along and people throwing water on you, makes the roads slippy, you lose control, you have an accident, who knows what can happen. But nevertheless, guys, what do you do for Songkran? For people who celebrate here in Thailand, for people who've come here before, how did you celebrate Songkran? I'd love to know your kind of opinion, your thoughts. What, what did you do when you here down below in the comment section. Now back to Phuket. Crackdown on Bolt and in-driver taxi app drivers continues. The checkpoints hunting for illegal taxi drivers as promised by Ata Bukan, chief of the Phuket Land Transport Office last week, has caught another driver deemed to be operating illegally. What a major crime this is. At a press conference last Thursday, joined by the Phuket governor Narang Wonsi, Mr. Acha announced that checkpoints would be set up to catch taxi drivers demand deemed to be working illegally. The PLTO officers would be supported by police in the hunt for illegal taxi drivers. At the press conference for the announcement was the Phuket Provincial Police Deputy Commander, Police Colonel Jurisak, and Vishit Police Chief Colonel Chachai. Mr. Acha repeated that currently only two taxi apps are legal in Phuket, and that's Hello Phuket and Grab. The two taxi hailing apps have a total of 365 drivers registered to provide taxi services. Hello Driver has 228 drivers registered, while Grab has 111 registered, and 26 drivers are registered with both apps, he said. Mr. Acha also repeated that the PLTO had created stickers for private cars to use so they could be easily identified. These stickers are to indicate that the taxi has been registered through a legal application and has been certified by the PLTO. Continuing to refer to taxi app drivers as black plate taxis, Mr. Acha said that the measures were to be taken by officials against taxi drivers deemed to be illegal. As such, a checkpoint was set up in front of Central Festival Phuket Shopping Mall on the Bypass Road on Tuesday night, said Vishit police officers present. The aim of the checkpoints was to prevent quarrels between taxi service providers. However, the campaign is targeting drivers using specific ride-sharing apps to pick up passengers, namely Bolt and InDriver. Of note, the checkpoint on Tuesday night was set up at the same location where a Greenplay taxi driver harassed and verbally abused a woman picking up passengers in a car that has been approved by the PLTO to use with the approved app. The Greenplay taxi driver operated at Central Festival was never held accountable for his behaviour and did not even present himself at the police station after the incident. The checkpoint at Central Festival was in operation from 6 to 9pm on Tuesday night. Officers stopped and checked any vehicles whose drivers were suspected of being or operating illegally as taxi drivers. Throughout the three hours, officers found one driver deemed to be operating illegally. The PLTO marked in its report that its officers were taking action against the driver and were to consider suspending the driver's license. Of note, the PLTO has a habit of using the words consider in its report when the exact action considered is actually taken. So again, super, super important that, you know, we don't have, you know, these illegal apps taxi drivers on the road. I mean, I mean, there's nothing else we should be worried about, right? 
Of course there is, loads of things. Firstly, what is the problem with the apps? Well, the problem with the app is simply this. They're cheaper than the guy sitting around on the side of the road doing nothing all day. And when a tourist turns up, they tell them the highest price they can think of and try to haggle them down maybe for 100, 100 or 200 baht less. The apps are much, much cheaper. And the great thing about ordering a taxi on the app is first, you know how much your journey is going to be. You pay for it before you even go. So it's already paid. You don't have to worry. The guy just picks you up. That's it. There's no haggling. There's no extra fees. And it's always a good price. And of course, the main issue I see here is, of course, the PLTO seem for some reason to be always on the uh, these taxi mafia side. And they always seem to not be very fair about things. How about open up the taxi market here in Phuket and actually forget about the negotiating of taxi fares. Forget about all this nonsense about you can't use this app, you can't use that. We have a list of fares that we recommend for people to pay. How about you just have meter taxis in Phuket? Just like you have in Bangkok. And it took years, but a lot of taxi drivers now in Bangkok are turning their meters on. Why don't you just make it easy for everyone? Why all the bullshit? Just say, that's it, this is all going to be meter taxi. No more of these guys sitting around doing nothing on the side of the road, you know, acting like hooligans. We're only going to have meter taxis from this point on. We're going to make Phuket a great place for getting taxis because it's going to be fair, it's going to be cheap, and we're going to look after tourists and Thai citizens alike. Why don't they do it? You tell me, but nevertheless, the easy solution is always there, facing them right in their eye, but we all know why it's not. It's because the taxi mafia control what goes on in this island, and that's the bottom line. Now, moving along, an interesting story I found in Human Rights Watch. And actually, this is uh, about the Thailand election. I kind of just want to give you a quick insight to the difficulty that, let's say, opposition parties like Thai or Future Forward are going to have in winning this election. Not just I'm winning it, but let's say uh, getting their nominated prime minister to be actually elected. So the upcoming election is fundamentally flawed. Thailand's election schedule for May, scheduled for May 14th, 2023, will be held under political, constitutional and legal frameworks that make a free and fair process nearly impossible. And that's according to Human Rights Watch today. Human Rights Watch and over 50 Thai and international civil society groups highlighted these issues in joint letters to 25 of Thailand's democratic allies and trading partners, urging governments to raise concerns with Thai leaders. The participation of Thai opposition parties in the upcoming election should not be interpreted to mean that they believe the electoral process in Thailand is free and fair, Human Rights Watch said. As Thailand's elections approaches, democratic government around the world should be clear to the Thai leadership that violating the fundamental rights and freedoms of the Thai people will have consequences, said John Sifton. Asia Advocacy Director of Human Rights Watch. An election held under a deeply flawed system and in an atmosphere of fear will not have democratic legitimacy. The electoral process is occurring within the framework of a 2017 constitution written by a commission appointed by the junta that seized power from a democratically elected government in a military coup in 2014. The 2017 Constitution's provision entrenched military power at the expense of civilian rule, including by reserving for the junta the appointment of members of Thailand's Senate, Election Commission, Administrative Court and Constitutional Court. The 500-seat Lower House of Thailand's Parliament is elected, but the 250-member Senate was appointed by the junta and is largely loyal to Prime Minister General Prayat Chalacha, the leader of the 2014 coup and current Prime Minister who is now running for another term. 
Under the 2017 constitutional system, a majority of the lower house nominates a candidate for a prime minister. But with the 250 unelected members of the Senate and the 500 seat lower house voting, a candidate requires a majority of the combined 750 seats, that's 376 votes, to be elected. As a result, pro-military parties will only need 126 of the 500 seats in the parliament's lower house to join 250 junta appointed Senate seats to elect a candidate. In 2019, every single Thai senator supported Priot, even though the pro-military Palang Pracharat party, which nominated Priot, had not secured the highest number of seats in the lower house. By contrast, opposition political parties will need to secure almost three times as many votes, 376 seats of the 500 democratically contested seats, to have a chance to get their candidate elected. Ranking senators have already repeatedly stated that they may ignore the results of the election for the lower house and vote for Priot, who appointed them to office. The letter from the civil society groups was sent to democratic governments across the world, including G7 members, democratic governments in the G20 and the European Union, which is currently negotiating a free trade agreement with Thailand. So that's just a little insight into how it's how difficult it's going to be for the opposition parties, which are mainly Putai and future forward party to actually get into government. They could have the most seats like they had in the last election. They had the most seats in the last election, but they couldn't get their prime ministerial candidate to be elected because the 250 junta appointed all voted for Priot, which meant they only needed 126 out of the 500 in the Senate to ensure that he had a majority. And that sounds absolutely ludicrous and scandalous at that. So this is going to be a very, very interesting election coming up. One of our favourite guys, Anotan, the Minister for Health, Public Health here. And interesting words he made a few months ago and interesting things he said. Now, I'm no fan of this man, right? I think he has used racist terms during COVID. He's called us dirty farangs. I think some people might remember who this guy is. He was the guy who basically made sure that at the beginning, foreigners weren't able to get vaccinations here in the country. It was only Thai people. So I'm no fan of him. But he did say something very interesting a couple of months ago, and it was in relation to these 250 senators. He said that they have no right whatsoever to go against the will of the people. So, for example, if you have a party that wins in a landslide election and they nominate their person, say, for exact exam example, it's the daughter of Taksin Shinawatra, who was put up as prime minister, and it comes down to the vote, that they have no right to go against the people's vote and not vote for her. They're basically ratifying what the people have asked to do. And my big fear for Thailand is that these 250 senators, or whatever they are, who are loyal to Priyot Chanacha, the prime minister at the moment, will go against the will of the people. And I'm very concerned at where that's going to lead us in terms of Thailand's future at the moment. I think it's a serious situation coming up. And I think this election, and we've seen in 2020 with the street protests in Bangkok that went on to 2021, and these people are still around, that people will hit the streets if things go wrong. And if they feel that their vote is being suppressed by a bunch of generals and army guys who just want to cling on to power for their own good. The youth of Thailand and younger people in general are fed up. And they're fed up with being treated like their children and being told, you have to do this, you have to do that, you have no say in the country. If you say anything, we're going to lock you up. They're tired of it. So it's going to be a very interesting election. It'll be 
I think one of the most interesting things, if you're here in Thailand watching it, I, I genuinely think if it goes wrong, it's going to go wrong badly. But that's just my opinion on it. And I do plan to cover the election in a lot more depth the closer we get to it. But nevertheless, we'll move on to our final story of today. Australian resort owner murdered in Krabi. And just rest in peace to this gentleman before we get into the story. Krabi resort owner and former long-term Phuket expat Peter Heppel, 57 years of age, was attacked and murdered at the bar of his own resort, Melina's Monkey House and Whale Bar in Ban Talane in Krabi on Sunday. Police Captain Tiracorn from Aonang Police Station was informed of the incident by Krabi Hospital on Sunday afternoon, confirming that Mr. Heppel had died from his injuries. Mr. Heppel had suffered multiple stab wounds to his right chest, piercing his lung and several slash wounds to his right arm. Police confirmed that the incident happened at the bar at the resort, which is an outdoor area near the beach. Officers found blood on the ground and about 50 metres away from a they found a 30 centimetre kitchen knife stained with blood. Pirachat Songsuri, 24, resident of Songkla province, who lived in Krabi, surrendered himself at Ao Nang police station for the murder, police confirmed. Staff at the resort told police that it was lunchtime when the incident occurred. There were no staff at the scene at the time. Mr. Heppel was at the bar with some resort guests. Pirachat came to meet Mr. Heppel to talk about outstanding salary for his wife, who had been fired. Staff say they believe that Mr. Heppel might have cut some amount from her final pay, making the man angry. During the meeting, Pirachat ran into the kitchen and brought back a cooking knife. He stabbed Mr. Heppel before fleeing on his motorcycle. The guests at the hotel rushed Mr. Heppel to Krabby Hospital when he was later pronounced dead. Pirachat has been charged with manslaughter. He admitted his guilt, but has not yet clarified the details of the cause of the murder, police said. Pirachad is being held for further questioning. Officers will contact his wife also for more questioning, police said. Mr. Heppel was celebrating his 57th birthday when he was confronted by Mr. Pirachat at the resort, which he named in honour of his six-month-old daughter who died when the tsunami struck Phuket on December 26, 2004. Before moving to Krabi, Mr. Heppel was a long-term expat resident in Phuket, well-known and well-liked. He'd been widely described as a larger-than-life character. We're just going to leave it at that. Um, rest in peace to the man um, and condolences to his family. It's a very sad story and a story that's probably not uncommon here in Thailand as well. So I'm just going to leave it at that. Anyway, guys, that's it for today. Delighted you've been able to tune in with us once again. And uh, yeah, as always, like, subscribe, share, and we'll talk to you in the next couple of days. Once again, thanks for tuning in. Have a great day. But ultimately, with this story or anything else that stood out to you today, I'd love to know your thoughts in the comments down below. Because yes, this is a new show, but it's also a conversation. Now keep that conversation going. Make sure you like this video, subscribe to the channel, share the video, and do all the good stuff that does help that YouTube algorithm. But ultimately, my name is Kieran Mack. You've been listening to the Thai Expat Daily Show, and we will see you next time.